This is Sporting Max with Max Becker on SEN. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Sporting Max on 1116 SEN. But today we are joined by T20 specialists. He's played all over the world in the BBL with Sid Thunder, captain them for most of this season until Big Usman Kawaja came back. Chris Green, it's great to have you on, mate. How are you going? It's great to be here. Uh, I'm good, thank you, Max. It's been relentless weather here in Sydney the last two weeks, so a lot of indoor training, but I'm all the better for speaking with you. Do you... Uh, do you- uh, what do you think of the indoor courts? I mean, would you rather be outdoor on the uh, on the turf or indoor? Much better outside. I get a little bit cooped up um, inside and restless. Uh, you do what you can and you can get on ball machines and, and still, you know, being a spinner, I can still bowl a bit, but it's far better being outside. It feels a lot more game-like and then obviously less games are cancelled. I don't think I've played cricket now for nearly three weeks. I've had wow. four days cancelled, club cricket cancelled. Yeah, it's been crazy. Wow, yeah. Um, so, Chris, I want to sort of start off talking about your childhood. What was growing up, I guess, like for you? Yeah, so I was, um, I was born and raised in South Africa. Um, I moved over to Australia when I was seven years old in 2001 with my family. Um, so, you know, my early childhood that I can remember was spent in South Africa, and I, I pretty much learned to walk on a tennis court. Both my parents... Uh, were professional tennis players. Mum, being English, represented England and played at Wimbledon. And Dad was South African, so he um, he played for South Africa, and all, they both played at Wimbledon, which was wow. you know an incredible accomplishment and, and something that um, you know I, it's hard to really compare to. And and that was one of my dreams growing up as a kid to try and emulate um, the success they had and the stories they were able to tell me. And um, you know from there, from you know early stages of learning how to walk on a tennis court, I started my love and passion for sport um, and all sports, soccer, cricket, swimming, surfing. Um, I wasn't quite brave enough to play rugby, um, <laughs> but I'd, um, I'd love playing touch rugby. Uh, I think that was just the perks of being tall and um, not a lot of meat on me. So I thought I'd actually break. Um, but, you know, we moved over, moved over to Australia um, in 2001 and you know we didn't really know anyone it was just the four of us with my younger brother um so we set up a new life with new opportunity and um i was homeschooled in sydney for the first two months and mum just took my brother and i around really on these excursions she used to call them but it was basically sightseeing tours and um getting to see the the new country we were we were living in and a new city in sydney um, and then, you know, once I started school and, and making new friends and playing sport at lunchtime and on weekends and joining, you know, soccer clubs and um, cricket teams and, and then going and playing tennis tournaments, I started to feel a lot more comfortable and um, make new friends, obviously, and um, begin to feel a part of this new life. And that, that took about six months, I reckon. And um, for a young kid, I think it's a lot easier. My mum and dad probably took a little bit longer to... Um, you know, feel like they belonged and, and, and felt like this was home. Um, but, you know, since then, haven't looked back and, um, you know, my, my love for sport continued on and um, right through school, it was always cricket and tennis for me. I dreamt of playing tennis at Wimbledon like my parents did and then playing cricket at the MCG for Australia. And, um, you know, those were the two pinnacle places or to, to play for me when I was a kid. So those were my um, sort of early memories and, and early life, if you like. What was that like growing up and having your mum and dad 
um, both professional tennis players, you know, who have done amazing things and played at Wimbledon? Well, reflecting upon it now, there's probably a lot more good things than bad things. When I was um, when I was growing up, I thought I used to know a little bit more than they did uh, yeah. and not being like <laughs> told, as most kids do, you don't like being told what to do by your parents. And, um, you know, it's something if I could go back is probably just to listen, listen to them a little bit more uh, and pay attention to what they were saying. But uh, I think I was very lucky. Uh, I think that, you know, that background and, um, the support they were able to provide me from a sporting background, never mind life and um, life background. But um, I think it's been a massive help to to my career as a cricket player. And, um, you know, their continued support and guidance means a lot to me. And, um, you know, I just think having two two people who have gone on their own journeys as, as professionals um, to share experiences, empathy and understanding, um, and then also understanding um, the sacrifice and dedication that uh, it would need to take and, and does take um, was a massive help um, to my early career and, and then still is today as well. Um, so what's it like? I mean, do you have, obviously you've got a British passport. Do you also have an Australian and South African one too, or is it just that um, British passport? Just Australian um, and it British. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I sort of grew up, at the back end of an era in South Africa where apartheid had finished and, and they were just yeah. coming back into playing sport around the world again. But um, from a traveling perspective, my mum put my brother and I on straight on British passports. And then when we got here it was Aussie passports because it was far easier um, to travel in and out of South Africa on a British passport than it was on a South African passport. And um, yeah, so that was, um, it's a big help now I'm going to play cricket in England the last few years as well. Yeah. Um, so what was you, what are your sort of first memories of junior cricket or backyard cricket? Uh, my, my first memory of cricket uh, was I was sitting on the couch. I can't remember exact age, but I must it was in South Africa. I must have been, you know, that five or six age bracket when I first started picking up a cricket bat um, on our tennis court. Uh, and dad sort of sat me down in front of the TV one day and we were watching South Africa play and um, he said, you know, if you're going to start playing this game, you should emulate um, your game on this guy. And that guy happened to be Jacques Callis. So straight away, I, I had a, a childhood hero um, who I just idolized. And um, I wanted, I batted in the middle order and bowled medium pace uh, right up until I was uh, 12. Uh, and then my medium pace wasn't as effective. I wasn't getting as much of a go uh, as I liked. And there weren't any, there weren't any spinners in the team. Um, so I thought, you know what? If I can get more opportunity to bowl, um, then and bowl off spin, off spin's far easier than bowling leg spin, uh, and that's how I sort of took it up. So that was my earliest memory, and then you know my earliest team cricket memory would be playing club cricket here in Australia for St Ives, and under I think I was about eight years old, and um, I didn't want to do kangaroo cricket at the time. I wanted to go straight into playing proper cricket, so I played under tens when I was eight um, and had a really cool team of um, young guys as well um, and loved and, and got competitive and, and started to build that love for the game. So how do you adjust as sort of a teenager or around that 12 or 13 year old mark where you go from medium pace to an off spin bowler? I was sort of self-taught really. Um, I think a, a lot of it came from, you know, I found off-spin bowling similar to uh, like a kick serve or a second serve in tennis. Um, mm -hmm. uh, tennis was my number one sport at 
at that stage. So I used a little bit of that and I tried to just be as crafty as possible by subtle variations in my pace and, and just try and be really economical. Um, you know, that we were playing on, on mats and a few game on, on turf then. So the ball doesn't really spin big. It's more just getting a lot of bounce because I was, uh, I started growing um, around that age as well. So just trying to use a little bit of my bounce. And um, I think probably tennis smarts really, because being the individual sport, just using my tennis smarts to try and outsmart batters a little bit and, and vary my pace. And um, then when I got to about 16, 17, I started going, you know, I think I'm out of my depth here. I need, I need some lessons. And I started um, bowling with, um, a guy who's still my coach today, Anthony Clark, and just working on um, a few basics and fundamentals. I wish I'd done so earlier, but um, it was a huge, huge help into, you know, learning and continue to develop that craft. So when was it sort of decision time for you, as is for all athletes? I mean, um, it comes to a point in um, a sportsman's career where you've got to choose either it's footy or basketball or cricket or tennis like in your situation so when was that sort of decision time or age for you and how did you make that decision Oof, it was a tough one um i was 18 um last year of school um i just turned 18 uh writing my hse exams um so it was about october 2011 um and i'd written some exams to go to college in america um, and uh, to, to pursue the, the tennis aspect. Yeah. Um, and then, um, you know, I was always stay here and go to university and um, play, try and pursue cricket. So I, um, yeah, I, I couldn't really decide. I, I looked at, um, to turn to my mum and dad and everyone and no one was going to force me. I was hoping for a bit more advice, but they said, look, the decision's yours. We can't yeah. push you either way. Um, <laughs> you're going to have to come up with the answers yourself. And uh, so I took a little bit of time off from both just to focus on my exams and trying to get my best results possible. And um, I was enjoying playing cricket. That's the start of that summer. And, and um, in the end, I was more drawn to the team game um, than the individual game. I, there were times where on a tennis court, I felt a little bit lonely um, and, um, you know, moving away from home at that stage wasn't something that I wanted to do. So that was my decision to, to stay in Australia, do my university um, and pursue cricket to the best of my ability. So what degree did you study at uni? I did a Bachelor of Business. So I did full-time for my first two years at UTS um, in Sydney. And then I changed my majors around. I was doing accounting and finance and really struggling with it, just finding motivation i found it too content heavy and boring and not really seeing a future in it um you know i was loving my cricket i wanted to play cricket um and knew this was always going to be like a backup um yeah. so i decided to change my majors around that time and at that time as well I, I got my opportunity to to make my debut for the first time out of nowhere for new south wales so i, I started deferring and doing part-time subjects so in the end it took me six and a bit years to do a three-year degree um but um you know, I'm, I'm very grateful I continued with it. Um, and obviously, uh, it was a great excuse to slow it down because my cricket was picking up. Um, so how did, can you tell me about those moments where you get the call up, um, like you mentioned, out of nowhere to, you know, play and make your debut for New South Wales? Yeah, I thought it was a prank call, Max. I, um, <laughs> I was in England um, uh, having, you know, I'd never trained with New South Wales before. I'd never played in under-17s, under-19s or any of the, the pathway stuff. So 
I never really felt like I was I was close. Um, you know, I was just enjoying playing for my club at Northern Districts, competing. We just won a, a one-day final where, um, you know, I happened to put in a really good performance in the final and get man of the match. And um, I was over playing club cricket for the first time ever in England in 2014 and got this phone call from the, the New South Wales selector. Um, I was like, oh, it's an Australian number. I shouldn't really answer it. Maybe there's charges, but I'll just answer it just in case. And uh, he said, hey, Chris, we had a long chat. And then eventually he said, look, when are you planning on coming back from England? I said, oh, this is my return flight. Um, and he said, is there any chance you can come back sort of three or four weeks earlier? Um, because we've got a pre-season camp up in Brisbane that we'd love you to be at. Uh, I said, wow. yeah, sounds great. I'd love to. <laughs> um, so jumped up, jumped, jumped on a plane earlier, came back, went up to Brisbane with the team. And, um, you know, they threw me into a, a practice game against... Western Australia um, and I got three wickets felt that I hadn't bowl. I just bowled how I usually bowled you know I just yeah. thought you know it's an opportunity I'm just going to compete have fun um, got three wickets at Allen Field where a lot of spinners don't really enjoy bowling because it's yeah. small and um, <laughs> the wickets really nice to bat on so um, you know after that game and the rest of the camp we came back to Sydney and um, Trevor Bayless the coach pulled me aside and said we're going to um, pick you in our one day team um, to, to to go back up to Brisbane. Um, so I was amazed, uh, really excited. Um, couldn't believe it sort of from nowhere, get this opportunity to make my professional debut. And, um, you know, a couple of weeks later, I get a call from the Sydney Thunder and they said, you've, you've got our, um, our last spot on our contract list for 2014, 15. And, um, you're going to be a contracted cricketer. And I was like, well, from nowhere now, all of a sudden I'm, my dreams coming true of being a, professional cricketer and I get to play with the likes or rub shoulders with the likes of Mike Hussey and you know Max I think the most exciting news of all of it is a couple of weeks later um, I see that the Sydney Thunder announced Jack Callis as their overseas player um, yeah. so that was like gone full circle excitement I was scared um, but you know I was like this is so cool my childhood hero is coming over and my cricketing idol is coming over to play for the same team as me. Um, and that was just my, like, I, it was my pinch yourself moment and still is one of my fondest memories to, to you know, relive and talk about. What was that uh, Sydney Thunder debut for you like? Incredible. Uh, it was a game that, uh, against the Sixers at the SCG, um, you know, I was at training the day before. Um, I hadn't played a game all season, uh, not expecting to. We had Nathan Horrocks, um, who was, you know, just finished playing for Australia. So I was like, I just want to learn as much as I can off this guy. It's his last season. Maybe I can add something to my game um, in my one-year contract and, and see what I can do. Um, and Mike Hussey and the coach came up to me and pulled me aside and said, you're playing tomorrow. Nathan Horrocks is sitting out. I said, What? Why are you sitting him out over me? He's he's like the best off spinner we've had ever. Um, you know, he's played for Australia, won World Cups, and you're picking me to head of him. They said, no, we want to pick you, give you the opportunity to, to play. Um, so, you know, I straight away ran over to my bag, called my parents. Um, they quickly told their friends. Then at the end of training, I told a couple of my mates. So running out the SCG in front of friends and family and close to 30,000 people was crazy crazy cool um and then you know i look over to my right as we're waiting to just step over that rope and jack callis is there next to me about to run out next to him so um so many cool memories from it and um you know it's it's one of 
one of the the biggest highlights of my career is my debut for the Thunder um, in that moment. We didn't win the game. I I bowled well enough uh, in the game for them to to give me a contract the next year, which was awesome. Um, But yeah, a really, really cool memory. So what was that like to play with, you know, your childhood hero and then alongside Mark Hussey too? <laughs> that whole year, well, the first first day we played a practice game, uh, I still remember it vividly. And, um, you know, I'm sitting in the change rooms. I was there early, um, being young and nervous, didn't want to be late. And, you know, Jack Callis cruises into the change room and dumps his bag next to me and I was <laughs> Uh, introduced himself. Hey, I'm Jack. I said, I know I'm Chris. Uh, and that was it. That was literally the end of our conversation that year. I was too scared to talk to him. I was just in all mouth open the whole year. Um, yeah. And luckily uh, the next year, obviously I signed and then um, my pussy was still there and Jack Callis was going to come back and the coach kind of got wind of it, but um, I was in awe of him. Um, so he helped me pluck up the courage and then also facilitate and start to build a relationship with Jacques and um, within that team and, and a personal relationship off the field that year. So I was able to, to talk to him and be a little bit more open about, um, you know, my obsession over him as well, um, which was a bit freaky, I'm sure, for him to hear. But, um, <laughs> you know, playing alongside him, Mike Hussey, Shane Watson, Owen Morgan, Andre Russell, um, it was just, uh, really was uh, dreams that were just continuing to come true and I had to pinch myself uh, every time and then to you know win win the trophy that year was um, was incredible. Can you tell me about that sort of grand final and the final series in BBL 05 I think it was. Uh, yeah sorry I'm just gonna send that send that one. yeah it was um, that final was I think it was so Melbourne Stars. We, we just snuck into the semifinals um, in fourth place to play the Strikers. We went to Adelaide Oval, beat them easy because Usman Khawaja got 100. Um, mm-hmm. And then we came to the MCG against the Melbourne Stars. 50, 55,000 people, I think it was. Big Thunder contingent drove down from Sydney. So um, big, big day. Um, and I can't really remember stages of the game. Uh, too much um, but I remember bowling to Kevin Peterson he was smacking around I remember bowling to Dave Hussey he was smacking around the bin I thought oh we're in trouble here really and then um, enter Usman Khawaja Jacques Callis yeah, it was Usman Khawaja Jacques Callis Mike Hussey Shane Watson I think got, a, got us off to a, a really good start and um, I, we started losing a few more wickets through the middle and the coach looks over to me and said pad up I was like Oh, okay. And I'm a bad watcher. Um, so I went in. Uh, I think they brought the whole field up to me early facing Marcus Stoinis and I slapped the ball over cover for four. And then from <laughs> then on, I, I blanked out. I, I really did black out. I think we need maybe – it would have been eight runs from that stage from ten balls. Uh, I was batting with Ben Rora. The next ball, I looked like I was calm and ran it down to third man for two. Um, and so I was on six off two balls, I think. Um, and we needed six off nine balls or or eight balls to win. Uh, and I thought, I have to hit a six here. All I thought is hit this ball as far as you can, hit a six to win the big bash, um, hit it straight up. Adam Zampa ran back, dropped it. Uh, and that's probably the moment where you want to go, okay, you got away with it. It's four to win. Just get a single. Uh, yeah. There's not that much. And nah, I was still thinking, hit the next ball for six, hit the next ball for six, and I hit it straight up again. 
and got out when we needed four or five runs to win. <laughs> um, sat, sat back down on the bench, still sort of nervous, <laughs> gutted. Um, the first ball the next over, Ben Rora hit a six and we all sprinted on the field and, um, you know, it was incredible. Uh, a really, really cool experience. My parents were there in the dressing room um, after the game and, you know, it was one you just – we just didn't want to – I didn't want to leave or I didn't want it to end because it was an amazing, amazing end to um, a really, really special year. The one thing I remember most about that game was the rivalry between the um, Hussey brothers, Mike and Dave. What was that like for you from – um, a teammate's perspective. Yeah, it was a huge. Um, well, my, it was. It was. I believe it was both their last years. It was, certainly was Mike's last game. Um, Dave, I think Dave might have played one more year. Yeah, you could be right. I, I think you are right for sure. Yeah, my, so it was Mike's last game. So he got out, uh, walked off, waved to the crowd, um, and you know, it's a it's a big rivalry, especially in a final. I mean, you yeah. you love your brother, but you don't want to lose to your brother, and yeah. um, you don't want to just gift them gift them a trophy as well just for extra bragging rights so um none none of them wanted to to lose and um yeah it was a it was really cool um way to send out one of our you know cricketing icons in Mike Hussey and I'm sure Dave probably didn't enjoy sending him out that way with the win um but uh yeah no it was um it was it was really special to be a part of his last sort of season and last last bit playing cricket in our country um, now, you've got a 90-day suspension for bowling with sort of an illegal action or a throw, as they might have um, called it then. Um, can you talk to me about this and what kind of support you had in that difficult time? Yeah, I can. It was a, you know, it was a big, big shock and um, something that I didn't see coming at all. Uh, had no real warning of it. Um, had spent time up at um, the at National Academy that same year bowling for for nearly a month and a half and we were filmed every day and, and, you know, no mention of my action looking close to bad or, or anything. So I, f- I felt like I was in a really good place. I was bowling well. And um, then all of a sudden um, I get this news that I have to sit out on the sidelines for, for three months. And um, it was a massive kick in the guts. Um, yeah, you know, I didn't really know what to do at first or, or how to feel. Um, but, you know, in the, in the, couple of days after I saw how much support um, was provided for me, how much empathy and understanding. And uh, it gave me a lot of confidence and then also motivation to, to, you know, what come back and come back bigger and better and and work really hard at this and, um, you know, want to repay the faith that my coaches, my teammates, my family, the teams I'd played for and and were due to play for had shown me. Um, And that was the thing that, that got me out of bed most days was, um, the support and 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 understanding and, and care that was shown towards me um, at that time, and um, you know, I wanted to to come back bigger and better than ever um, at the end of it, and and use the three months out as a really big training block for my bowling, but more so my batting, my fielding, my fitness, uh, my mental side as well. And um, I, I now look back on that experience and as, as hard as it was sitting on the sidelines, it's probably the best thing that's ever happened to me in my career. Um, facing that, that setback, um, getting a deeper understanding of, of who I am and, and what I need to do and, and, and where I need to go um, forward into to continue to try and be successful and, and chase my dreams as a cricketer. So how do you try and adjust that um, bowling action? Look, it was, it was a, a technical slip that had happened um, over a long time and just slightly each 
year or season or tournament that I played. And uh, it, it, it stemmed right back to my tennis days uh, with a kick serve and the, the, my own self-taught technique. So I just had to better up my alignment uh, when I delivered the ball. And uh, we just broke down with my coach, the same coach I'd worked with for a long period of time. We just broke down my technique to the, the pure basics, fundamentals of it. And I went to bowling now with a super clean action and, and passed the test with flying colours. And it's something I, I'll have to continue to work on because, you know what, I don't want to sit on the sidelines and people are always going to watch or know me for, for having faced that ban or, or gone through it. And if they see anything dodgy or whatever, if it slips up, even in the slightest, they're going to start pointing fingers again. And I don't want to, to sit down on the sidelines. So, um, yeah, it was, we just adjusted the basics and um, it actually has made me a better bowler because I can now technically do a lot of, a lot more things with my bowl and I can bowl a lot more variations. And since doing so, I've been able to adjust different styles of my bowling to different conditions in Australia, but then also when I play overseas as well. So as I said, a tough experience, but one I'm very grateful for, for going through because uh, it's helped kickstart uh, or give help me reach a new level within my game. So with a, um, a British passport and South African parents um, and British parents, sorry, um, have you ever had thoughts at some stage during your career to play for another country apart from maybe Australia? I was close. In 2015, 16, I was close. So, I'd, you know, we just won the big bash. I'd gone over and played in England and done really well for Surrey and in county cricket, um, playing second team cricket there and, and scored a lot of runs as a batter. And, you know, uh, you know, from, from my first taste of a little bit of professional cricket, I wanted to be a full-time professional, not just um, part-time and, and here or there. Um, and Surrey was very, very interested in giving me that opportunity. So I spoke to New South Wales and, and they sort of said, there's no real opportunity here in the near future. We've got Nathan Lyon and a few other spinners. And um, so if you get an opportunity, take it. Uh, so I was due to go back in 2016, played out the big bash, um, that we won uh, and that was, yeah that was the year we won it and took three wickets against the Sixers at the SCG that year um, and straight after got a call from New South Wales saying uh, don't go anywhere we've got we've got a contract for you um, and so things changed by chance and I got really lucky in the right time right place and um, so I was really close to that stage and uh, since then I haven't revisited it you know my, my dream since moving here was always to play for Australia I wanted to play at the highest level and and pursue my dreams of playing at the top grounds but you know since that that experience and the opportunities I've got I, this, I see this as my home for right now and my best possible chance is, is being is playing uh, here in Australia um, for the Sydney Thunder, hopefully some more for New South Wales and, um, you know, in these leagues that pop up around the world as well. How do you strive or try and get better, um, you know, at your game and work on your game to, you know, try and make the top level and play for the Australian national team? Yeah, I used to be a, a big goal setter. Um, so it's a really good question. And I don't necessarily have the right answer for it, but, you know, I used to be a big goal setter and set these goals that I need to score X amount of runs and take these wickets and, um, you know, go to these sort of places and, and achieve these heights. And I wasn't, I found it was making me focus on things that were actually out of my control a lot. Um, so I, um, I changed to just looking at each day as it comes and, and trying to just get better and better each day and looking at what I can do, you know, what do I need to do today. Is it a rest day? Is it a, 
a big batting day or is it a big bowling day or is it a bit of both? And um, I found since breaking it down to to a day by day basis that um, I got more and more focused on just my process rather than being caught up and obsessed with results or stats or things that actually I've got no control over. You know, I can't turn up to a game saying I want to. I can turn up to a game saying I want to score a hundred, but yeah. I can't control what the wicket's doing the bowlers and the opposition doing the fielding, my own teammates, you know, I could get run out first ball. Um, and I tried my hardest to score hundred. So I lost a little bit of focus on, on that side and was able to relax a little bit more. And I'm still learning uh, about it. And, and, you know, I, I make a lot of mistakes, but I think it's all part of the process. Um, so I want to get into sort of talking about your overseas career and journey now. Um, you first started playing off overseas um, in the Pakistani Super League um, with Lahore, I hope I'm saying this right, Calanders. Um, can you tell me a bit about, you know, your first sort of overseas experience? Yeah, it was pretty crazy. I uh, came from nowhere and uh, my coach at the Sydney Thunder was a coach overseas in Pakistan for Lahore and um, he got me over as one of a replacement overseas for Sean Tate of all people. So I don't think we, we have similarity in, in how we bowl. Um, but it was a really cool experience uh, playing cricket overseas, traveling, uh, rubbing shoulders with my heroes. You know, the likes of I found myself having breakfast one of my first mornings with um, guys I idolized and watched countless amount of hours on TV. Kumar Sangakara, Mahela J. Wardner, Brendan Cullen, Shane Watson, Kevin Peterson. Um, you know, these sort of guys were just floating around in our in our hotel. We'd have breakfast together or dinner together or you know, sit by the pool on different days or share a beer at the bar. And um, it was really, really surreal just hearing their stories and uh, have them take an interest in me and my career and be willing to help out at any stage. So, um, you know, that was something that gave me a small taste taste of it. And, yeah, like I said, I wanted to continue to, to try and chase it to to get better and better opportunities. Um, hang on, you just dropped out a bit there. Are you there? Oh, that's right. Have you got yeah, me? Yeah, you got me? Yeah, I've got you. Okay, cool. All right, perfect. Um, so now, can you sort of speak to me a bit about the experience um, of playing for the Guyana Amazon Warriors in 2018? I mean, you were named um, one of the top five players um, in the Caribbean League um, to watch that season. Yeah, 2018. I, so I'm trying to work out. That was my first year. Um, came, I came, came out of nowhere. Um, Johan Botha got me in as coach and... Um, yeah, I was I was really excited about it because I you know I was I was going to get an opportunity to play. The wickets were spinning massive. Um, we we started winning a lot of games, so we're in a great position. Uh, Travelling around the Caribbean, island hopping, island to island, playing against some big big hitters as well. Mm-hmm. Andre Russell, Kieran Pollard, the Bravo brothers, uh, and everyone in the West Indies just wants to hit spinners for six. Or you know if you can bowl a good ball, they, they it's almost unplayable. So. It was a live by the sword, die by the sword moment and tournament. So I love playing there. And, um, you know, I found myself in the last couple of games being called into a meeting. And they said, you know what, you're now captain. Shoab Malik's left, the captain that we've currently got. 
is isn't performing to his best ability and um, we want you to captain. Three other guys have turned it down, but you have to do it. We're not giving you the choice. <laughs> so I was like, well, okay, why? We're, we're winning. We're coming first. No matter what happens, we're going to play in the finals. It seems like we're panicking. They said, no, no, this is the decision we're making. Um, you're now going to lead us through. So um, that was a that was a different experience. But, you know, captaining the team, we I ended up captaining us through to, to the final where we fell at the last hurdle, unfortunately. And um, it came to be a thing for Guyana. The next year we won all our games except the grand final. Wow. Um, and then the year after that where I was named captain again, we lost in the semis. Um, so they were a lot of times, we were a very successful team but never really won a trophy. So it's, it's hard to call us successful, but we were very consistent with our performance. And, um, you know, I really enjoyed my experience. And it, it, the, the CPL and, and Guyana helped put me on the map as a cricketer and, and gave me that platform outside of the big bash to perform so how did you find that first sort of time um and period of time being captain it was challenging but i had really good relationships with a lot of the young guys in the team and um they supported me and even a few of the senior players around me through their support behind me so you know i just wanted to ensure that everyone was still on the same page we were playing really well that season as i said and Everyone believed we were, we were going to win. And I just said, look, I don't want this change being that it was brought on by the management to, to seem like we're doing anything different or worried about where things are going. And even the previous captain, I, I ended up picking him in the next game um, because I think we needed him. And he ended up bowling really well in the next two games to get us in the final. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a massive learning experience and, and something that, you know, I, I've always loved captaining teams, but, um, you know, it's not something I seek out actively as well. So it's a lot easier just playing as a, as a player, but captaining and looking after everybody else was, um, you know, a cool experience. And, um, yeah, one I, I learned an immense amount from. Um, now, you were selected to play in a T20 Global uh, Canada tournament. Can you tell me a bit about this? Yeah, yeah. Canada was different. Uh place I'd, I'd never thought I'd get to um, but always wanted to go to and then all of a sudden my cricket was going to take me there and I was in Yuvraj Singh team, Yuvraj Singh's team, Brendan McCullum, uh, Kieran Pollard so I was really really excited and Canada was beautiful. We were in Toronto just outside the city and um, you know we had a lot of fun. Uh, everyone in the same hotel with all the teams and um, the ground was tiny uh, and when I say tiny, tiny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like it was a school, it may be an under 14s, 15s school size ground. And oh. um, the wicket the wicket was very conducive to spin. But as I said, everyone has just decided that they're going to swing hard. So it's basically four, six or out, um, which was an interesting challenge, um, but a lot of fun. I loved it there. Great people. Um, Canada was, is growing with its cricket, um, you know, moving, moving forward as, as a country, they've got a lot of expats. So, you know, I love my time, was able to do a bit of sightseeing. And, uh, yeah, again, learn and, and play with some of the best cricketers in the world. Um, so, I mean, you, what was it like for you um, playing with Warwickshire in England? Yeah, county cricket was was good fun. Um, I flew, ended up flying out of Canada and played a game in Canada in my last game. I got a tweet straight after. Um, so I played one game in Canada. 
then flew out that night, landed in the morning uh, in London, driven straight up to, to Edge Baston and played a game that night. So I played two games in two different countries in less than 24 hours. So it was, um, it was a crazy experience, but I loved it. It was very wet. We had a couple of washouts, but, um, you know, I did well enough or impressed enough to meant to go back there the next year and, and captain them. Um, but COVID hit and put a sort of stop to, to that one. And, uh, but I was lucky enough to go back this year, uh, last year, sorry. Um, and play for Middlesex at Lords, which, uh, was a dream come true for me. Middlesex and or Lords more more in particular was um, I see as the the home of cricket, the the history of it, and um, you know I, I put it up with the same sort of feelings of of playing alongside my childhood hero and Jack Callis. It was just surreal. Um, it was a magnificent ground. The grass was immaculate. You just wanted to to walk a bare feet on it, and um, you know I love playing county cricket and. Um, I've got a lot of mum's family there, obviously from the UK. So having them close by to watch me uh, is is really special as well. Um, now the T20 Blast um, in 2021, like you mentioned before, in Middlesex, um, I believe you took a hat trick and a five wicket bowl, um, which is just superb. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, uh, Owen Morgan was my captain, so it was nice to, to play with him and. Uh, he bowled me a lot of de- he bowled he started bowling me at the death a lot. Uh, so I took, mm-hmm. I think I took a wicket in my first over, maybe a wicket in my second or third, uh, and then in the last over, I, I was due to bowl the last over. I was bowled three overs, and I looked at him around the end. I thought I was bowling well, and I was like, oh, am I going to bowl again? Maybe not. And then he waved to me with three overs to go, saying, "You're bowling the last one." I thought, oh, here we go. This will be fun. Um, yeah. I lie. I only got one wicket before that first over. First ball, I got a wicket. Next ball went for six. Uh, and then the next three balls, um, I got the wickets and I was just, we were just having a big laugh during the over about it because I wasn't in, in my last three balls. I was almost not trying to get wickets. I was just trying to avoid getting hit for six. So I was bowling big, mm-hmm. big slow balls outside off and they were trying to slog sweep it to um, cow corner. So I got two top edges and one stumping. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. It was a nice achievement, particularly after, you know, all the hard work and um, sitting out on the sidelines. So it, it was a big, big achievement for me and, and also good recognition for a lot of my coaches as well. Um, so throughout 2021, you've, you played, like I mentioned, in Middlesex and you also played in Jamaica. Um, how do you find playing overseas? I love it. It's it's a different challenge, different experience. Uh, you know, it, it, it's... It's, it's the same game we play, but very differently by a lot of the different cultures. Uh, you, you know, I, I learned so much off them. Um, and, you know, you get to experience different conditions, different venues all around the world, different crowds, different, different atmospheres. So it really is super cool um, and something that I love doing. And as I said, after that first taste I got in, the Pax, in Pakistan, um with Lahore it's because I'm getting limited opportunities here I want to continue trying to work hard and and perform and um to try and get those opportunities to to showcase what I can do and and also meet new people make new friends and and travel new places through cricket um now I want to have a quick chat um about the IPL I mean the IPL auction is obviously an interesting thing I mean, 2020, you were bought by the Kolkata Knight Riders. Um, what's that like to be, you know, bought by a team and 
sort of like, I guess, is it in a similar way to being signed? Yeah, I still couldn't believe it. Uh, yeah, it's very similar. Um, just obviously it's a big auction that, that everyone watches. Um, but, you know, I couldn't believe it. it the, since since it sort of started, everyone watches it here from Australia. It's the best players in the world with, with all the Indian players playing as well. Um, and, you know, I was going to get my first taste of it um, in India in front of the madness of everything. So I was, I was really excited. It got delayed through COVID um, and then got moved through COVID to Dubai. So, you know, I, I made my debut against Mumbai, which would have been a, a massive game in India. Um, but unfortunately, we were in Abu Dhabi for it. So um, I, I still loved it and it was amazing. The professionalism, the, the training and everything was massive for my game. But the one thing it lacked was the, the madness of, of the crowds in India that, you know, I grew up and, and we all see on TV and the passion of it all and, and even from them outside hotels. So it's left me, as always, wanting a whole heap more and want to experience more of it. And, you know, I want the madness of it. Um, so, I, you know, it was a, a, a really cool experience and I was able to, to train really hard and add so much to my game and learn from a lot of the Indian players. Um, but as I said, I want to get back, get back there and experience it in India, um, in front of all the, the passion and, and love of cricket. Um, so now you were coached by Brendan McCullum and played with Pat Cummins, um, in that Kolkata team. I think it was, um, what was that like to play with someone like Pat Cummins? Yeah. Awesome. I played a lot with Pat at New South Wales, a lot against him at, uh, in club cricket as well. And he's about a year older than me as well. Um, so he was a great guy, uh, spent a lot of time with him over there. And then Brendan as a coach, I'd played under him as a, as a cap when he was my captain. Um, and then, um, you know, I, I playing under him, not having that relationship, knowing what to expect, um, was, was, you know, a nice sort of comfortability. And similarly with Owen Morgan over there as well. Another one who he was actually made captain halfway through the tournament. So I had a lot of good understanding of it all. Um, but um, yeah, it was, it was nice to play with, you know, familiar faces, but then also fresh faces and make new friends with a lot of the Indian players as well. So what's it like to see Pat Cummins captain the Australian team now? I think it's fantastic. I think he's doing a great job. Um, I think he's the right person for the job after Tim Payne. And um, I think, you know, I think how he captained the team in, in during the ashes rather was, was fantastic. And, um, it looks like he's got a ch tough challenge over in Pakistan, but there's going to be more of that to come. Um, we haven't travelled overseas for a while, and I think Pat has the respect of the dressing room, and um, I think they'll go go through anything for him. And so I think he's going to be a great captain over the next few years, or if not longer, as through Test cricket. Um, now to sort of finish off, Chris, um, what's your best advice to anyone uh, who wants to be a professional cricketer and be successful like yourself? Best bit of advice. I always find these are the hardest questions. Look, I, I think if I can share anything is, is not to worry about mistakes or failures or, um, or setbacks or anything. From my own personal experience, I think it's the, the mistakes, the failures, the losses, um, the setbacks that actually help shape you up to be a better player and a better person. So, you know, I always encourage people to, to put themselves out there and, and make mistakes and fail and, um, you know, don't be too hard on yourself for too long. Be disappointed, sure. But um, once you, you understand what that's all about and, you, you know, you're never as 
bad. You're not never going as bad as you think you are when you're losing or you're failing. And similarly, you're not going as good as you think you are when you're winning. So you've got to try and find that levelness in the game. And um, if you can understand and see those setbacks or losses or whatever as um, a good learning experience or motivation to do better next time or, or get further next time, um, then I think it's going to set you up to to chase what you're after within the game or within life or whatever. So I think that's what I would say is being someone that was really hard on myself as a kid with failures and mistakes that um, they're going to help you down the track. Thanks, Chris, for coming on um, today. Um, it's been an absolute honour to have you on um, and be a part of the show. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Chris. Stay tuned, everyone, for Smart Sporting Max on 1116 SEN. <laughs> This is Sporting Max with Max Becker on SEM.